Hello, everyone. Thanks again for joining us on Order Up, the podcast from the National Restaurant Association. I'm your host, Carly McBride. As always, don't forget to subscribe to Order Up on Apple, Google, Spotify, or your favorite podcast platform so you don't miss an episode. It is Tech Month, and we're proud to have Spot On as an industry partner. Joining me today, we have three fantastic speakers to talk about the technology landscape in restaurants. Kevin Bryla is the Chief Marketing Officer with our partner, Spot On. Emma Blecker, Chief of Staff and Director of Business Systems with Boqueria. And Kevin Steele, Chief Information Officer with the National Restaurant Association. As the association's subject matter expert on all things technology, Kevin Steele will take on the hosting role today and lead this conversation with Kevin Bryla and Emma. We'll discuss the impacts, challenges, and ways to navigate this topic in your restaurant. So before I hand it over, I would like to give a special thank you to our industry partner, Spot On. So now, Kevin Steele, thank you for taking the lead on this conversation, and I will hand it over to you to get us started. Absolutely. Thank you, Carly. So let's jump right in and start off the conversation talking about tech bloat. Kevin, can you explain to the listeners what is tech bloat and can you provide some examples? Yeah, I think we all feel and see there's an overwhelming amount of restaurant tech on the market today. And if you just go back to the last few years, in particular when we're all shuttered inside our homes, but restaurants were trying to survive and adopting technology at a breakneck pace to try and keep up, you ended up having this rapid expansion of things like third-party delivery services and online ordering and takeout during the pandemic. And what started to happen, I think many of us have experienced, you start having more tech than you can really handle. The tech doesn't talk to each other. It doesn't add the value that you're hoping or promised that it would. So it's a real interesting space you get to where you've adopted a lot of technology. Now there's a chance to optimize it, to really think through what makes sense for you and streamline it. So it's really adding value and not just another technology for another one point solution that isn't adding value. So the goal is really to reduce complexity for operators like the folks listening today and for the employees who work at our places as well to have less complexity, easier systems to work with. So that's when we talk about tech bloat and why you need to address it. That's a good first step. That's great. And I have to imagine it creates a lot of confusion in the operation as well when you have so many different technologies that you have to navigate. Yeah. Just think about it. If something goes down in a very bloated tech stack that you have and you're spending your time diagnosing what went wrong and then different tech providers might be saying, no, it's not our solution. It's solution. It just creates a little bit more stress and a little less certainty. So when you consolidate and really think things through, when you have fewer better as opposed to just more technology in your place, it really helps you streamline the operation and helps training like for employees. And you know, to be trained up on all these different software packages with the high rate of turnover in our industry, it really creates some challenges. So the more you streamline that, the better. Yeah, I'd say it's hugely important for operators as well to, as much as you can, limit the amount of platforms that they need to use to do their jobs. Because the thing about especially managing a restaurant is that the administrative cadences haven't changed, right? We've always had to process payroll. We've always had to count inventory. We've always had to do all of these things. But it can feel like more work to them, especially people who have been in the industry when a lot of this was pen to paper, just because of the number of tech platforms that they're now using to accomplish this. And it really should be the opposite, right? Tech should speed these things up for them. It should increase accuracy and feel effortless. And with a bloated tech stack, it's exactly the opposite feeling for the managers. 
Yeah, we talk a lot about simplicity in technology and making sure that when we choose technologies that we want to implement, how do we make sure that they work together seamlessly? How can we create a solution that provides an easy method for users to get the things done that they need to get done? Part of the challenge when you see a lot of these technologies coming together is cost. Kevin, can you talk a little bit about and Emma, too, please weigh in, about the costs associated with TechBloat and how it's impacting your operation. Yeah, when you start to stack up technology upon technology upon technology, there's the maintenance of that technology, again, the training costs and the other hidden inefficiencies of having TechBloat. They all kind of tree up to adding costs. And so what we like to strive for, and certainly spot on, we look at it this way. If you can have more consolidated into a core operation, Technology, and you can have those technologies talk to each other that enhances your reporting and enhances your speed. And it really thinks through from an operator perspective what they need to be more effective. And so in our case, something like end of night report outs and close downs would be five to 10 minutes with our technology, say versus two hours if you're doing it through a myriad set of other technologies. So really thinking through the benefits of simplification downstream to make sure the operators are really feeling it. Yeah. I totally agree. I also like to think about cost, especially as it comes to technology and efficiencies in a bigger way than I feel like we sometimes talk about it. And what I mean is that not all cost is money, right? When weighing the cost of a platform, it's not just about how much is the monthly or annual agreement to it. There's the cost of security, right? Not having your systems as secure as they need to be. There's a cost of headaches on the floor, if this thing that a manager has to do every day is such a pain to do and they're miserable doing it, what's the cost of that if it's causing managers to be disengaged or to exit the business? And then, of course, time. And time is very similar to cost because there's a dollar associated with time, but it also feeds into the headache. It kind of straddles that line. So I think looking at cost holistically and understanding that the gain is not just going to be financial is a really important step when you're looking into tech platforms that are going to give you efficiencies like spot on, like what Kevin said. When we brought it on, we turned what was a two-day payroll process into two hours every week. That's a huge difference for a scaling group. Yeah. And, and Emma, you do a lot of great work around the employee side and the employee benefits of all this work. And I wonder if maybe you could talk a little bit more about that too, because for a labor-constrained environment, when you're trying to keep employees happy, having technology that helps them be more, have a more positive employee experience is such a big thing. And you guys do it really well. Yeah, we pay a lot of attention. I mean, I like to think about, I do a lot of tech rollouts and I just want to call out the elephant in the room, which is that we work in an industry that is so incredibly reliant on technology, and yet 99% of the people working in it have zero background in tech. So we're constantly trying to reconcile those two things that are at odds with each other. And so I think of a tech rollout much less from a technical standpoint and more as a communication and training rollout. My operators don't need to know the background of the technology. They don't need to know how cool it is. They don't need to know how I've programmed it. All they need to know is why we're doing it for them. And the why is different for every tier of the business. The proposal that I share with my CEO for a new platform is not the same one that I'll share with the GMs. And it's not the same one that I'm going to share with our hourly team members. Different 
people get different things out of these platforms, which is great. So really fine tuning the why for the audience and making it as simple as possible while not withholding information is really key. That's a great point, Emma. And one of the things that we look at when we think about choosing technologies and what the overall costs are, because you've laid out some great examples of costs, not just dollars. We have a concept we call total cost of ownership. Mm -hmm. So when you think about the investment in a piece of technology or multiple pieces of technology, thinking holistically around how it impacts your overall operation and what's required to make sure that that technology can be used successfully, you have to take all of that into consideration when you're making that investment choice. And so thinking of the total cost of ownership, long-term maintenance, training, the cost of your operation and efficiencies, all of those things need to be packaged and thought about. Absolutely. And it's interesting that you talk about cost of ownership because another thing that I think about often and implement in our business is when you do bring on a new platform, the partner is so important and you want to be able to reach out to that partner and get support. But I also believe that having an in-house subject matter expert for each platform is key. So not just relying on troubleshooting from the partner completely, but having at least one or two people in the organization be an expert in that platform so that not everyone has to is so important to how we operate. It's been a game changer for us. Yeah, and I think on, on the provider side, some of the things that you should look for when you're talking to tech providers is that transparency on things like credit card processing, a big part of the POS. Do you have a clear understanding and have you discussed a fair rate for what you're doing? Yep. If buying a technology like reservation software, in SpotOn's case, we don't charge a cover fee. So if you're in an environment where you're not using your reservations platform for heavy-duty marketing of new customers, but rather to use waitlist or for your existing customer base in a medium or small-sized town, for example, the not having cover fee dramatically reduces the cost of having a reservation platform. So it's really being able to understand the layers below the technology, what you're actually paying for and what you actually need can save you an immense amount of money when you're looking at, at your tech stack. So let's continue down this path, because I think part of what you're getting to is how do you make sure you're maximizing your investment and demonstrating success? But also part of this is how do you avoid tech bloat so you can get to those success measures? I mean, everything in restaurants is a balancing act, right? We've got so many contradictions, and this is another one. There's a couple of helpful tricks that I use to avoid tech bloat, but make sure that we have the right tools in place. One of which is making sure that the software that I'm looking at isn't actually selling me a problem. It's selling me a solution to a problem I'm already aware of or that I know we have. So I think often, especially the nerds out there like me, get really excited about new technologies. And I call it shiny new object syndrome, where there's so much out there that can do so many incredible things that there's a temptation to onboard something, even if it's not solving a huge problem. And what that can lead to is having isolated platforms that don't talk to each other, that bloat the stack. And it can also lead to some oversight in understanding what you're already paying for. So I think there's a few tips in there, one of which is just knowing what problem you're trying to solve and looking actively as opposed to reactively, and also trying to avoid having too many things that only do one thing. 
Yeah, I think the way we look at it is there are a lot of tech companies that have approached a restaurant like a tech company, not like a hospitality business or like a restaurant. And so they have the problem they want to solve from a tech perspective. I think what we try to do is look comprehensively and with flexibility at what restaurants truly need. And having that conversation and having that transparency in the conversation to say, what problems are you trying to solve? How do you want your operation? How do you want it to look? What do you want your service to look like, for example? And making sure that the tech is actually matching up to what you want to be. And so I think you can look at the shiny new object to Emma's point and get excited about what it can do. But oftentimes you'll find yourself having to alter your process or it hasn't considered all the real implications in your service. And that can be a problem. So at least our point of view is we build a comprehensive platform comprehensive platform that can be everything from reservations, front of house, back of house reporting. And then we also offer a layer of integrations. So if you like our solution, or maybe you see a different solution that is a better fit for you, we can still find a way to integrate them. So you can get one easier to manage tech stack, one better set of reporting. And I think it's that kind of like listening and really knowing the problem you're trying to solve that's in the relationship. Yeah. Integrations are huge as well. That's definitely something, at least if it's a small business looking to scale in the future, is definitely understand any limitations when it comes to immigrations when signing with a new partner. We've had such great experience with spot-on teamwork in that regard. And it's really, we can see the difference using them versus other partners in how much access we have to our data. Yeah, just using teamwork as an example, teamwork integrates with over 20 different payroll companies. So we wouldn't say to anybody using our teamwork product, you have to change your payroll provider. You stay with your payroll provider, we'll integrate. That data flows through. So if you're doing things like compliance for breaks or you're doing tip outs or whatever it might be, all part of one system as opposed to trying to toggle between an Excel spreadsheet here and a payroll company there and something else. So it's thinking through that integration to the benefit to the customer is, again, you can do tip outs and close outs in minutes versus hours. Like those kind of end benefits and you can do it accurately and you can save money with things like compliance and fees, early clock-ins, for example. So really thinking through the whole system. Absolutely. And just to circle back very quickly on listening to the problem we're trying to solve, understanding it, and teamwork, which has been a huge solve for us, is I think it's very important to make sure that each department, if there's a home office support system in the restaurant, that everyone's talking to each other about the stocks, about the problems. And the example that I use is when we onboarded teamwork, what I originally started betting was an issue with tips, right? We were calculating tips very manually. It was taking a lot of time. That was the problem that I was looking to solve. But I was also aware of other problems. We needed a new scheduling system that was better. We didn't have good visibility on our labor. Our PTO requests were also manual and laborious. And as I started vetting this platform, I realized that it was actually going to solve like 10 of our problems. And that's where talking to each department head and understanding the stocks opens up these doors that when one department is vetting a platform and it can solve another thing, that everyone's in the loop with that and it's being done effectively and efficiently. I love the way the two of you are playing off of one another because I think there's a couple of important points to pull out based on your relationship. I think one of which, and Emma, you just talked about it, is when you're trying to solve a problem, you've got alignment and everyone sees the problem in the same way. And so, as you mentioned, having a conversation with the CEO or your chief of operations versus your line staff are very different conversations. Mm -hmm. But at the end of the day, everyone has to align on the problem as it relates to their interaction with that problem. Absolutely. And I think that's an important point to pull out. I think another important point 
is when you think about the solution provider that you partner with, they have to be an advocate of your business. They have to understand how it is that that problem that you're trying to solve impacts your business. And they're thinking about it in a way that's most effective for you to be able to see success in your business with their solution. I also think it's important that the value system of the solution provider and the organization that's making the investment, those two things have to align as well. I really believe that you have to have a really good understanding of how that working relationship is going to go over time. I always talk about it as, you know, you start off dating, but at the end of the day, when you're going to make that investment, you're getting married. Absolutely. You have to have good communication. You have to have a good method of being able to problem solve together. And I'm seeing that in the conversation here. So please elaborate on any of those points. I'd love to, because I think the big thing about the transparency with your provider is recognizing one dirty little secret that tech companies don't like to talk about is stuff goes wrong once in a while. It will happen. And so one of the things we do is we balance our tech with a high human touch, which is why I think we consider ourselves a hospitality company as much as we do a tech company. We have service level agreements where we answer calls within two minutes. And if you're in a bar on a Friday night and there's a glitch in the system, minutes feel like days and days feel like weeks when you're waiting to get these things fixed. The ability to get somebody quickly who can help you. Yes, the technology should do all the work and it's highly reliable and ours, like many others, are 99% plus, plus, plus uptime. But when it doesn't, is somebody going to be there for you? And is that trusted relationship there? And that's a big thing we stress and emphasize in our relationship with our customers is, yeah, we're going to be there. Even when it's rocky on a Friday night, we'll be there. It's true. And it's so funny that a lot of the tech that I vet, would, I'll be on the call. And it very clearly to me was not created by restaurant operators. The tech that was invented by restaurant operators is always apparent. So when I first saw teamwork, I was like, okay, you guys are restaurant people. You're actually playing into so many niche issues that only happen in this industry. But another symptom of a lot of restaurant tech being created by people who don't know the industry through and through like spot on teamwork does is the support is often nine to five support Monday to Friday. And we are five to nine, seven days a week. So it's incredibly important to understand the cadence of support that you're going to get with a tech partner, because I promise you and every restaurant person listening will agree that things only go wrong on a busy Friday night or Saturday, right? Like they never go wrong on a Monday morning. Absolutely. And this is, again, another great case of making sure that the actions of your solution provider match their words. So, Kevin, you said you see yourself as a hospitality company before a tech company. And that's an easy tagline to place on your company. And that's awesome because what Emma just highlighted was when she saw the product and she heard you talk about it, right? That became clear to her that you understood her business. Mm -hmm. And again, another point for the audience is going back to that analogy of getting married you got to make sure that the actions of your partner match the words and what they're telling you that they're going to do. Yes. And part of that is the conversation as you're learning about what their solution can help you with. The other part of it is vetting them through other customers and other experiences that others have had with that solution provider. That is such an important point to make. I think it's crucial. And we go through a little bit of an exhaustive process with vetting. 
I'll say not only vet with other customers of theirs, but find one that's the closest to your segment. Oftentimes, we're looking at technology that has probably been rolled out to QSRs, which is quick service, before full service. And it's not really comparative for a full service restaurant in a lot of ways. So we have to find someone who's closest to our segment in the industry to understand how that platform works for them. Because when you cross segments, it's a whole different world. Yeah. So Emma, can you tell us a little bit about how worker management and recruiting retention plays a role in selecting the right technologies? Yeah, absolutely. My immediate thought goes to how it feels to work in our company and in our business. How effortless does it feel to do your job? The other side of me goes to, do you have the right applicant tracking system and HR system? And so there's kind of two answers to this question. But in terms of retention, which I think is the bigger part of the question, it really goes into what it feels like to work in this business. And does tech get in the way of that or does it enhance it? And we've had a huge initiative over the past couple of years for learning and development in our business, which includes an LMS, which is a tech platform that's a learning management system, and really heightened training on all of our tech that the managers need to touch. We've also eliminated virtually all except for one or two platforms that our hourly team members need to touch so that they can really focus on hospitality and really the fun part of this job and this industry. None of us got into this industry to be on a computer all day. We like to take care of people. We like to create great experiences. And if the job ends up being four days a week of admin, because you just don't have the right tools to do it correctly, that is detrimental to retention. And there are so many things in play when our industry saw a mass exodus during and throughout the pandemic. And a lot of it was the shifting in needs of the industry, which included tech, which included bringing a bunch of things on and not having clarity on how to use those systems for success. Yeah, and I think what we see with technology, and there is a war for talent and that will sustain for some time for a variety of reasons. When we see tech adopted in the right way, one, you can offer higher wages because there's often efficiencies that can be gathered. We have examples in where kitchen staffs may have been reduced by a chef or two, but wages have gone up and that gives you more attractive employees coming into your place, more tenure and more folks build and the better quality that you get coming out of your kitchen. For the front of the house for servers, for example, by introducing new technology, like handheld technology, for example, getting that first drink might be a little bit faster so that someone may have the second drink or they may order something else more easily. It gives them a better service experience, a larger check size as well, which can help with both the revenue of the restaurant, but also the tips for the employees. So again, you can give good experiences, have them really focusing less on, like Emma mentioned, some of the administrative and training things, but all the experiences that also mean quality compensation and ability to live in a highly recessionary environment. That's great. And so let's meld these two elements. One of, as we talked about, making sure that things are simple for the people that are going to be interfacing with the technology into the usage of the technology. Let's talk about implementation. Kevin, let's start with you. Can you give me some criteria that you, when you're working with your clients, criteria that they use in regards to implementing new software? 
Well, first, it's like really good discovery early on. So we really understand the unique situation each individual restaurant is in and the problems they're trying to solve. So really spending that time to get to know and understand what that problem is, first of all. So we're applying and leaning into the right elements of the technology for the first place. The second thing is we really emphasize is on-site implementation and on-site training. So with Spot On, you're going to have somebody there helping you set up, walk it through it, and helping to train your staff versus others who do that remotely or sometimes not at all. So I think knowing that technology is hard to adopt and there's a certain degree of stress and change that goes into that for all of us, having that combination of technology but supported by humans and training and and high touch because we are a high touch industry, I think that's really one of the key factors in implementation. Great. So Emma, let's talk about it from the perspective of the restaurant. Tell us a little bit about your implementation story. Yeah. So generally speaking, what I do for implementation is I have the problem. And if it's a big enough problem to get a new system in, everyone should be aware of that problem. So I create a bit of demand for solving it. And I present the problem as we all know it. I learn the problem by talking to the operators. And then I run a pilot. And for that pilot, I ask for one restaurant to volunteer, which someone always does. I have them do the pilot of the new system so we can iron out any kinks and get it all set up to roll out to the rest. And then when it's time to roll it out to the remainder of our restaurants, I have the manager that did the pilot speak to it. So there's buy-in at that level for what this platform can do, if there are any limitations to call them out. And they kind of serve as this like internal advocate and mentor for this new platform. And that's been a really successful cadence as we've rolled out quite a few systems in the past. And it really allows different managers to take ownership over what we're doing and why in a way that feels inclusive and not just, you know, corporate told me to. It's a partnership as it should be. And our job is to make their lives easier and they should be involved in that. That's excellent. Well, technology is such a big subject area. And I really appreciate Kevin and Emma, how you provided examples and broke it down to some simple ways of thinking about it as it relates to both from a solution provider perspective, as well as the investor perspective and the operator perspective. Yeah. Our pleasure. Good restaurants get the big things right. Great restaurants focus on the details. Dig into the data and control costs with up-to-the-minute sales and labor data from SpotOn. With SpotOn's innovative solutions, you not only get business tools that help you save time and make decisions, you get 24-7 dedicated support. See why SpotOn's point-of-sale and labor management tools are trusted by leading restaurants like Asian Box, Koti Korean Steakhouse, and Mazzaro Group. From now through the end of October, your restaurant can get select POS hardware and expert in-person installation for free. Visit spoton.com today. That's S-P-O-T-O-N.com. Thanks so much for listening to Order Up, the podcast from the National Restaurant Association. Follow us on your favorite podcast player and find out more at restaurant.org slash podcasts. Episode produced by Dante32.